Hello, and welcome back to this episode of Learning Line. I'm your host, Danielle Hartman, and I'm so excited to talk with our guest today, Andrea Pervance. Andrea serves as an HR business partner here at HSHS. She's been with the organization for almost 15 years. Throughout her tenure, she has worked in human resources, provider recruitment, and clinic management, specifically for occupational health and our multi-specialty care clinic here in Springfield. All of these roles have helped her build the skill of conducting critical conversations. Andrea is an incredibly supportive HR business partner. She coaches leaders and colleagues on how to conduct critical conversations that are respectful and productive. She's a person you want on your team, helping you move forward to success. All right, Andrea, welcome to Learning Line. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Good, good. I'm excited for this conversation. I remember reaching out um, a few weeks back and just saying like, hey, we'd love to interview you. And honestly, I know um, for our recording team, this is something we've been looking forward to since it's been on the calendar. So this is going to be a fun conversation. We love to start our podcast off with a fun icebreaker question. And so for you, I am curious. The icebreaker question is, what is the most important part of your morning routine? Oh, gosh, I would say that it would be um, as soon as I wake up, just doing a little prayer of gratitude for having another day and just asking for the clarity of mind to, you know, treat others respectfully and and not get flustered over anything. And then the second thing is brushing my teeth. I can't as soon as I'm out of bed, I'm to the bathroom sink brushing my teeth. It's just a, <laughs> it's a little bit gross. I, I love the starting with gratitude and uh, the brushing the teeth. Very important. That's that's good. I'm sure um, your dentist appreciates that practice for sure. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I sit in the office with you and I see a lot of like coffee things at your desk. So I was expecting coffee to be the most important part of your routine. But this is I love starting with some gratitude and just, you know, putting you on the, the right track for the day. And that, you know, really just shows why you show up as the person you are every day at work with that kind of grounding as you begin your day. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start just like we have with all of our other critical conversation um, episodes, just defining what a critical conversation is. And again, this definition comes from cleverism.com. And that defines critical conversations as a difficult conversation is any situation where the needs and wants, opinions, or perceptions of the involved parties are diverse, with their feelings and emotions running strong. Usually the reason behind such strong feelings and emotions is that they have a lot at stake and they dread the consequences of such a conflict. So what I'd love to start out with, Andrea, is, you know, what mistakes do you find that leaders make prior to holding a critical conversation with a colleague? I think that they probably, what I see, they get in their head too much about it and know Mm -hmm. that this is going to be a difficult conversation. And so they almost like um, forget how to have that conversation. Um, They don't, (laughs) they're forgetting all of the important things. And so they think they have to just kind of go off the cuff. I always find that if you practice what you're going to say, and either practice in front of a mirror or role play it with a colleague, or better yet, call me or one of your generalists and say, hey, I just need to role play this conversation. It's a big one and I don't want to offend anybody. I want to make sure that I'm comfortable with it. If they're not comfortable in the message that they're delivering, it's going to come through. And that's kind of a recipe for disaster. 
th those are good points. And especially um, when we think about, you know, difficult conversations and getting in our heads, like the, the facts versus story and the story we can even tell ourselves is this isn't going to go well, or I'm going to mess it up. And, you know, if we think those thoughts, those thoughts become our actions and our beliefs versus, like you said, doing that practice, that intentional practice. So that's a really good call out. So what are the benefits of conducting a critical conversation? Uh, those critical conversations are important to have because it allows the person that you're speaking with, who you may have a, you know, a concern with, the opportunity to improve. Um, so some of those conversations can be about anything from performance to attendance to, you know, dress code, whatever the case may be. And if you don't bring it to their attention that this is happening, I 100% guarantee you it will continue. And then mm -hmm. it rises to the level where it gets to someone's breaking point and then it's it kind of is downhill from there. So if we just take care of these crucial conversations, critical conversations, when they when you first notice them and they first pop up, it'll clear the path for a really great relationship as you you know continue that growth. Such a good point. Such a good point. If they don't know, they don't know. Honestly, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't want people to get to that breaking point. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Let's go ahead and dive into a couple of critical conversations. So um, I have two options that I'd like us to talk through. And the first one I'd like to talk about is appearance. And let's first discuss how do we approach an appearance conversation? Because I think sometimes this is a conversation that could be misunderstood, especially from the colleague perspective. I always want to approach those conversations with the utmost sensitivity because it's not about sometimes People will misinterpret an appearance conversation or a dress code conversation, feeling bad about the way, you know, like they're taking it very personally. Like, you know, they don't appreciate the way I dress. This is my style. This is my fashion. And it's not really about that. I mean, you can be, you know, you look great for going out to the club or you look great to go shopping or whatever the case may be. It just may not be appropriate for work. And so I always try to guide it and steer it towards you know, you have a beautiful sense of style, but the sense of style for workplace is one where, you know, we don't have uh, low cut shirts or really high skirts and we don't wear torn jeans or, you know, ripped up pants with frayed hems, you know, that type of a thing. So if you always just like bring it back around to just like our appearance guidelines as an organization, you can always rely on those guidelines. But really, especially with those patient facing positions, we want to make sure that we are at our utmost professional appearance. I appreciate that. And I, I like that point too, that it's not a, a personal attack and, you know, style compared to standards can be different. And I'm someone who's been on the receiving end of those conversations a couple of times. And it, I, I get that from the colleague perspective that you can initially feel like you're coming under attack, but really it's not that. And I think, you know, um, I had a leader one time approach me and say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this even for like how you are viewed in the organization, right? So I just, I want to be mindful and respectful of that. And it, it goes back to that core value of respect. So I, I appreciate that. And, you know, again, especially as you said, we're in those patient facing areas. We want to put our, our best face forward, our best foot forward in those spaces. Let's talk about another topic that might be uncomfortable, and that topic is body odor. So first of all, you know, how do you coach leaders on how to have this conversation? I usually ask them to please think about what they're talking about, to go into it 
in the frame of mind that how would they like to be talked to? If someone was going to approach them because they had this issue, how would they want to be talked to? You want to treat this with the utmost respect. You want to you don't want to make a big deal about it. The more awkward you feel and the more you beat around the bush, the more of a big deal it's going to seem. You know, Danielle, when you're approaching that colleague, you might just want to say, hey, do you have a second to chat? I would love to talk to you about something uncomfortable. Would it be all right if I, you know, shared something with you that's a little bit difficult? And you kind of are looking for the verbal, their nonverbal cues where they're nodding their head or kind of like, okay, they might look a little bit like, what's this all about? But then you just kind of roll into, you know, I really care about our working relationship. I care about your success and I care about you as a person. And I've noticed that you have an odor. And since we work so closely together and we are in person, you know, we do have patient face facing um, positions or we do work closely with other folks in the office. I do not want this to impact you negatively or affect the people that are wanting to work with you. I know this can be really awkward, but I wanted to let you know privately what's going on. Um, I know there can be many reasons for body odor. It could be anything from an underlying health condition to pets getting into your laundry basket of, you know, clean laundry. That's happened before. It can be any number of things. And, you know, if you're a smoker or if you like really strong, you know, tasting foods on your lunch break and you come back, that can also give off an odor. So I don't know, you know, it can be distracting to those who work in close proxemics to you or patients that you care for. Do you know what might be going on and are there any ways that I can help you out? And then that what that does is it invites that person to participate in what's going on, help them identify it. It'll help them save face. If you give, you know, ideas like it could be this, it could be that, mm -hmm. we're not automatically assuming you never bathe. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that would be the worst of the worst. And how disrespectful would that be? So we're not making any of those assumptions. We're giving really, you know, helpful suggestions. These might be things that are happening. What do you think it could be? I don't necessarily need to know, but if you want my help in helping you figure out what's going on, I'm happy to do that. I like that. I like that a lot. And especially, um, you know, again, teeing it up where these could be the options. You know, the only question that came to mind for me is, you know, what if the, the colleague comes back and says, well, if someone said something to you, how would you coach the leader on how to respond to that question? I would just say, these are my own observations. I'm never going to get someone else involved. Um, that is number one rule in any conversation that you have with a colleague. You never go to them and say, hey, so-and-so said this or so-and-so said that. Now, if it's something that you haven't directly observed, you could say, it's come to my attention that, and then that's really all you need to say. Well, who told you? I didn't have to have anybody tell me. I was able to observe this on my own. And colleagues, definitely, they fear that too. They fear that, you know, people are talking about them. So if they know that, oh gosh, maybe it stopped at Danielle. She's the only one that noticed that I smelled. I need to get this taken care of before somebody else notices or I start seeing people avoiding me, you know. Mm -hmm. And so if we can just bring it into just the two of us, we're not going to talk about anybody else on the team. Um, same with dress code. You know, sometimes people want to bring other people into the conversation that aren't involved. So like, you know, what do you mean I'm not dressing appropriately? Look at the way Claire dresses. She dresses mm -hmm. like that every day. And we're not talking about Claire. I'm talking about you right now. And mm -hmm. that's that's where it's appropriate.
And Andrea, these are such great tips. Like I really, I like this, you know, I think um, as someone who enjoys uh, spicy food, garlic, uh, you know, I, I can see where the bad breath uh, could be a conversation that even I would have, you know, like that, that does happen. And I feel like I, I learned this lesson early in my career where somebody was like, if somebody offers you a mint or a piece of gum, you should just always take it. Like they might just be offering it as kindness, but they could also be offering it like, wow, I can smell that garlic on your <laughs> So, you know, maybe that's just always a, a kind way to, to, at least personally, that's something I take from that. And so when I think about, you know, approaching these conversations, I love everything you've said so far, really where it is just kind of that personal, private, respectful collaborating, you know, these could be things um, I, I really, I really like this. So thank you for making a really uncomfortable conversation about body odor feel more tangible. I really appreciate mm -hmm. that. So let's just go into our very last question here. So as you know, at HSHS, we are rolling out the, the seven habits of highly effective people. And we always like to end with thinking about a different habit. So with this series, we're focusing more on habit four, which is thinking win-win. So when you're approaching a critical conversation, how do you use this habit to prepare and conduct the conversation? I use it to, you know, what would a win look like for me and what's a win going to look like for the person on the other side of this conversation? So I kind of also use the other lesson that we learned in Habit 4 where we're going to balance courage and consideration because this takes a lot of courage to have a conversation like this. There's no doubt about mm -hmm. it, especially if it's your first one. <laughs> and consideration for that person that you're talking to. You don't want to ruin any relationships. So a great win to me would be that person walking away feeling like, okay, there's a situation here that I need to solve and I'm the only one who can solve it. And um, that's a that's the win for the person I'm talking to. A win for me is walking away thinking, I delivered a very important message and it's gonna help this person with their career because people are gonna notice the great person they are rather than the odor that they bring with them. Mm. And that is, to me, that would be a win-win. I love that. Thank you. And being courageous and having these conversations. Oh my goodness. That is so key because it is difficult, but you are being courageous to courageous to being respectful of the colleague and, and helping them see something that like we talked about before, if, if we don't bring it up, they probably aren't seeing it. So I think that's really great feedback. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to really kind of glean that wisdom from you. So thank you so much for sharing your insights on this. And um, like you have said, and I think our other um, guests have said too, reach out to your HR partner. We are happy to be here to help and just, you know, make you feel more comfortable in these uncomfortable conversations because it never gets easier. You just get like a little bit better each time. Another thing that your HR partners can do too, because I know mm -hmm. these can be nerve wracking. I'm also always happy to send along email, like a list of talking points so that you can have that in front of you when you're having mm -hmm. that conversation or something to kind of, you know, um, when, because we're so nervous in the moment of having these conversations, it's easy to forget where we're at. Yeah. And so if you just have these talking points and it's okay to even draw attention to that. If you have a little note card and you tell the person, you know, I've made a couple of notes because this is really important to me and I don't want to forget anything. Mm -hmm. So this is why I've done this. Um, so anyway, we can definitely do that too. Just reach out to your business partner or your HR generalist. Your HR partners are always happy to help because we want you to be successful in every conversation that you have. 
Oh, my goodness. Thank you. It's a great HR plug. Appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Well, you have a great rest of your day. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Learning Line. We would like to give special recognition to Claire Kramer, our editor and producer of the show, and Ray Engeldinger, the composer of our music. Ray works in supply chain and wrote, no doubt, the song you are hearing now. Thank you.